Ladies and gentlemen, I will never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. I'm Kent Garrison. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week we talk movie news, rumors, and rumblings, and break down a movie of the week. And stay tuned till the end for our weekly recommends in which we suggest something that you need to check out as soon as possible. And you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's discussion is centered around what movie, Richard? Dan Gilroy's... Nightcrawler. Excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a job. I'm a hard worker. I set high goals. My motto is, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy a ticket. So what do you say? I could start tomorrow or even why not tonight? No, I'm not hiring. Unfortunately, Richard, I was pretty let down getting to the theater when I realized this wasn't a spinoff on X-Men character Nightcrawler. But in the meantime... We get Jake Gyllenhaal as a creep. Uh, the the role he was born to play. <laughs> this definitely goes with the discussion to be had later, but it's a little sad when one of the best roles you've ever played is a creep. You know, it's like, yes. what does that say about you as a as a human being and as a uh, as a personality? Mm-hmm. But I'm sure we'll get into that uh, a little bit later, Richard. I'm excited to talk about this one with you. It's uh, it's done very well at the box office. On the, in the past month or so, no movies of note really hit the box office last weekend. So normally we wouldn't even do a podcast on this movie. But since it's uh, done so well in the past month, here we are. It's a movie, though, I, I think we missed on that we didn't do one earlier on. Yeah. And uh, and I, I think uh, this certainly will, will be an interesting discussion. It's definitely a movie worth talking about. The first Hall starring movie that we've done... On the show, if I'm not mistaken. Correct yes. me if I'm wrong. And, uh, it is the second. I saw Nightcrawler a few weeks ago, uh-huh. but I saw another Jake Gyllenhaal movie last week. Did and, you? Uh, I did. I was on a cruise. Prince of Persia. Week. I did. and uh, and uh, It was on the cruise? Well, That's like yeah, the most we, cruise movie ever. We had Prince limited- of Persia <laughs> on Carnival Cruise. <laughs> Guest narrated by Guy Fieri while he's flipping burgers. Yes, uh, we uh, we had limited cable, so you basically get you get the four networks and uh, some Turner channels. And on the last day, uh, there was really bad fog, so we were supposed to dock and get off the boat at like eight a.m. And we ended up not getting off till almost one. And so I kind of just was laying in the room because we couldn't really do anything on the boat. On the boat, so I was kind of laying in the room watching TV. And I, like I said, I had seven channels or whatever. And I, I watched Prince of Persia in its entirety with oh, commercials. No. Oh, I, Richard. I sat through commercials. New low. Two, New low. Two and a half hours. <laughs> you must have liked it. You're a, you're a walker-outer. And that's that's well, been made clear on the show before. I am, I am a walker-outer, but it was Saturday morning. And the only other things on sh- on TV were like old-school k- cooking shows, not like Food Network stuff, like old-school showing you how to intimately cook things. And there was literally nothing on. So I couldn't walk out. And... If I had walked out, I would have. Dr- I if I had physically walked out, I would have drowned. And so I was. My, the one time- uh, what's worse, drowning or watching Prince of Persia in its you know entirety? I say it is better than I thought it would be. It's terrible, but I'll give the creator this. The, so I, I I watched the credits very closely. The guy who wrote the game wrote the story for Prince of Persia, 
and then a bunch of other people wrote the script. The story is actually not horrible. Did you ever see it? Yes, I saw it. The plot's not that bad. I saw it on a uh, ferry, actually. So very similar experience. <laughs> okay. No joke. Saw it really? on the uh, the ferry uh, going over the English Channel. Wow. Only saw about an hour and a half of it, but that was okay. Yeah, the story is not horrible. I mean, it's kind of your standard kind of epic, you know, historical tale. Not that this is actually historical, but you know what I mean, that type of, of movie. Uh, but the script is in the dialogue and the acting, especially by uh, Hall, is atrocious. And the so is the just insane amount of sand used. <laughs> but it wasn't it was a it was an F but I thought it was gonna be like an F minus 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 minus. So You would have had to pay a, me a copyright fee if you had used that rating anyway. So That's true. You're right. So there you go. There's a little extra Gyllenhaal review for There's Gyllenhaal. A, Jake G- Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal, however you want to say it. I d I don't care personally. I'm not offended either way. Sure. Uh Gyllenhaal is a lot of things, but one thing he is not, Richard, is Persian. So. Yes. Yes, this is true. <laughs> Nor is Ben Kingsley uh, or any other actor apparently in the film. They missed that. I, th- I don't think they knew Persian was an actual race. I think they thought <laughs> it was a video game uh, creation. Yeah, it was, the uh, creators. It was like Middle Earth. It's just a made-up <laughs> yeah. place. Persia. Yeah, we just, let's just populate it with British people and get it over with and, and Jake Gyllenhaal. But uh, unfortunately, uh, much to their chagrin, they found out Persia does actually exist and uh, it made it a little tougher. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation a little bit later in the show, Richard. Sure. But first, let's talk a little bit of movie news, rumors, and rumblings. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumblings. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin! So, we have this Sony hacking. So, Sony has been hacked by uh, a North Korean activist group because they're planning to release a uh, the film, the, the interview with Seth Rogen and, and James Franco that uh, involves the plot of assassinating uh, dear leader Kim Jong-un of North Korea. So, they, the studio has been hacked and a lot of interesting things have, have come out from these hacked emails and, and hacked films. Have you, have you read any of these today? There's been a few good ones today. I have, yeah. Have you read the most recent? Uh, regarding what? 23 Jump Street? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. Uh, audience, can I interest you guys in a 23 Jump Street Men in Black crossover film? <laughs> you can interest me in it. <laughs> Honestly, that does not... That's that's right in my wheelhouse. That sounds like I something agree. that would be awesome. I do think they won't do it though now because you can't. No. That's something much like Johnny Depp's cameo in the first Twenty One Jump Street that is would have been so awesome as a surprise. Yeah, if J and K had shown up and had gone, that would have taken direction. it to the next alternate level. Like, <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh, I would have I, I would have fanboyed my <laughs> my pants off at yeah. the theater. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, we now know it's it's much less unsettling to read about it instead of seeing it. But uh, well, you know, oh oh well. Another story that's come out of this is we've kind of got a more in depth look into the making and unmaking of the Steve Jobs film. Right. So it appears there's been a lot of infighting at studi- at Sony at the studio. So so have they? Uh, before we go on, Richard. I just want to clarify: Have they hacked uh-huh. email accounts? That's how they're getting this conversations between yes, executives. Hacked- okay. Or computers, Absolutely or have. why haven't they leaked the movies? Yeah. Come on, guys! I believe they've done that too. I think those. I think that's part of the uh, leak plan. So I think they at least le- leaked the interview, uh, so that it won't make money. They they tried to go full expendables on it. 
<laughs> it works for Expendables, yeah. Continue, sorry. It, it appears uh, the studio was, was feuding with another film, some other executives, I think within their own organization, around David Fincher. So David Fincher had committed to the Steve Jobs film, which apparently the script people are very high on. And instead, some some at Sony wanted to Fincher to do another film he had kind of softly committed to, which was a Angelina Jolie starring uh, Cleopatra film. Right. Which we've talked about on the show before, yes. I feel like. I think the infighting is what caused Fincher to kind of decommit from, from both projects. Uh, and uh, now we don't have our Steve Jobs film we were so looking forward to, as well as our uh, Cleopatra film we were kind of looking forward to. But it is interesting, though, because it it does spread, you know, Angelina Jolie's become such a darling. Uh, like, you know, she went from being the crazy goth girl to kind of this darling of Hollywood. And uh, now this kind of paints her in a, a negative light that she's a one producer calls her kind of a spoiled brat and talentless, which I think we we would argue that uh, she does have an Academy Award and right. a few nominations on top of that. Yeah, it's interesting. what do you think? That is crazy. And I'm sure we'll be discussing this a little bit more in our Unbroken podcast, at least on this Angelina story. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to me because I thought she was retiring from acting. Maybe this is before she made that decision. But in the recent weeks, she's – this is also sort of a rumbling, I guess, uh, since we're talking rumblings, that uh, she was retiring from acting and it was just going to direct and produce. Now, I haven't seen Unbroken. I don't know what the reviews are of it yet. She's satisfied with it apparently if she's willing to give up a very successful acting career. And let's not forget Maleficent is in the top five this year in, in uh, worldwide gross, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So still has star power Absolutely. Um, as an actress. So it'd be interesting to see what, what happens. But personally, a Cleopatra, David Fincher movie doesn't doesn't really interest me. I would like to see him do something else. I'm, personally, I'm glad that didn't work out, I guess. what Would you want to see that? I, I mean, kind of an iconic role to take on, you know? Yes, uh, Jolie's perfect to do it. If Fincher was involved, I would be uh, very interested in that because it's David Fincher, right? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I would see it. I'm not going to lie, but if you if you were if I was to make a list of 25 movies David Fincher should remake, Cleopatra wouldn't be in the top 25 <laughs> at all. But yeah. Oh well, bigger and better, bigger and better things. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, he makes the sequel to Dragon Tattoo. How with- did that do financially? Not bad. Not as bad. As, I mean, it made money. Okay. I don't think I, – I can get specific here uh, real quick up. with um, uh, domestic gross over $100 million. Yeah. And then another 130 on top of that. It was so, like, I mean, yeah. production budget 90. So, I mean, it, it it made a significant amount. Does that justify the uh, – another, what, 50 million books that they sold in that trilogy? Probably not. Uh, they probably thought their returns would be a bit, a little bit higher uh, than that, but I thought it was a cool movie. I thought it was worthy of a sequel, at least, even a uh, you know a fifty million dollar budget sequel. If mm-hmm. if Fincher would be willing to do it, uh, I would like to see that. But how serious were they talking about the Men in Black Twenty Two Jump Street? Apparently, it was movie? kind of. It looked like it was pretty much done. Uh, it wasn't going to be a full crossover. It looked like it was just going to be kind of an extended. Uh, ten or twenty minute cameo, but it would involve. It looks like the plot of Twenty Three Jump Street would very heavily involve aliens. Oh, okay. I thought you meant literally J and K 
cross over or, no, or they, they would, do. Oh, they okay. Do. So why the, don't they just make men in black four, but cast Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum and call it a day and be like, yeah. the movie can start out like they're in their cop uniforms and they get recruited to the men in black and boom, men in black four. Yeah. It does look like that was kind of going to be the plot, but I don't think it was going to be the full movie. I think it was going to be a little 10 or 15 minute sequence. Ah, oh, bummer. Man, that would have been that would have been crazy. I know. Just imagine that cuz the the Depp cameo was so well done in the first one. Yeah. And yeah, this was really probably was. the one thing. I mean, 20 Jump Street was as good on every level, but the one thing it, it kind of uh missed was that moment of surprise. This would have I mean, if if JMK had showed up uh, with with Jonah and Channing, I would have probably stood up in the theater. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, now at least we can imagine it, right? Or maybe they'll still do it, and it might be awesome, but it's not going to be as awesome when you know it's coming. One other thing that I did see about this Sony leak, there was another crossover going to happen. I don't know if you're planning on bringing this to the table um, later, but another crossover was supposed to happen. Apparently. They were negotiating, Sony and Marvel were negotiating a Spider-Man appearance in Captain America 3. Oh, wow. So think about what that could have brought. Um, unfortunately, it probably would have been Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Yeah, sure. Um, so probably, I don't know, if it, if he brings that vibe to the Captain America uh, series, not not something I'm looking forward to. But Maybe it could be Topher. Maybe. Or not Topher. Not Topher. Uh, Toby. I always do that. To- it could be Topher. Uh, as yeah. <laughs> Venom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah th- I mean, Sony is, it, it could have hit a more vulnerable studio with this stuff because they don't have very many cool ideas. And so now the, the few cool ideas they have are now out in the open. Yeah. First of all, um, we should say, and I apologize, we should say Brian Gill is not here. Yes. Um, he is uh, called away to a sick child. So, Wish him the best. Wish not good. his. He just randomly helps sick children. Yep. He's a good Samaritan. Yeah. But uh, get well soon, Dom. Uh, your family's thinking of you. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you at the barbecue next weekend. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> but this is a conversation I would want to have with Brian. I mean, this is something that we, we've been wanting. We want Spider-Man involved in the uh, on the Marvel side of things. As opposed to the Sony side of things, but he's so wasted at Sony. You know, at least with yeah. you know, it'd be cool to have X Men involved in some capacity. But at least they're in good hands at Fox. Like those are good movies. Still, the the Spider Man movies have almost all been terrible. I mean, they're they've got like one out of five now that was decent. I mean, if you're a baseball player, it's not bad. I mean, yeah, hitting two twenty five, yeah. you're yeah. right in there. You know, yeah, but, sure, uh, but. It's uh yeah they they've they've whiffed four times on these things because yeah. I don't even like I think Spider Man Two is the only decent movie yeah yeah me too I watch only parts of it Cruise, too I watch yeah. yeah exactly it's really just because of uh, Alfred Molina but uh, I watched Spider Man One again on my cruise in the middle of the night on uh, TNT and it's not good at all no, yeah. the first uh, Tobey Maguire it's not good no I agree and um, I I have hope for Spider Man I mean he's such a freaking big character um yeah. he's big as big as the avengers i want to see it crossover eventually i'm still waiting and anticipating the rocket raccoon meets tony stark moment uh, yes. upcoming when that crossover happens with the guardians later in the avengers series but let's not make this a marvel talk that's all interesting stuff from sony i wonder if how i wonder how successful these hackers will be i mean apparently this is 
a pretty big deal. I mean, Kim Jong-un's people apparently came out and said, this is an act of war to release the interview. Uh, I mean, how would we feel if North Korea made a movie about killing Obama? Yeah. Uh, I mean, what would we, how would we feel? I mean, we'd probably be like offended, but that doesn't really, we don't really care that much, you know? We're not going to go to war about it, you know. But um, well, I don't think it's the people. As much. I mean, the people don't don't know. They're not allowed to see anything in the sure. world. They're very oppressed. So it's just the government that's upset about it, and and whoever this hacktivist group is, see what I did there, uh, uh-huh. is somehow affiliated with that with that government. But it is what's lost is. I mean, Team America did the same thing. What's lost on some, and it's not necessarily correct, is that you almost forget that. Kim Jong-un is, A, a, a real human being, even though he's kind of not. And then, he, you know, these people are very oppressed in North Korea. It's not really a, a laughing matter, but, but he's become such a pop culture uh, figure in a weird way that you kind of forget yeah. about it. Yeah. I don't think it was a political move for Seth Rogen to write this movie. It was just kind of a, a funny idea that could exist in a real universe instead of a, a fake fictional uh, character. I but, bet they didn't even think twice about making the movie. Yeah. They just no. made it, you know, and and no one's more conservative on that kind of stuff than a, a film studio. And if they they were fine with it, then it would it never occurred to anybody. Uh, more breaking Sony leak news, Richard. A uh, studio exec has called Kevin Hart a greedy hoe. <gasps> oh, oh. talk about an act of war! Yeah, <laughs> that's an act of war. So I've got two more items here for you. Okay. You want good news or bad news? Uh, both. But I want the uh, good news first. Okay. So Disney is planning the Star Wars theme park, right? Ooh. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if you know, but it will apparently only feature uh, stuff from the new films. So it's only going to work in the in the new. And then another little bit of Star Wars news. Uh, we talked briefly. This is the bad news. Uh, George Lucas says he's not seen the trailer, nor does he really care about the the new Star Wars films. Sour grapes? Or? I don't. I don't believe it at all. Yeah, I th- you think he's just being a goob? Say so you stumble on a um, your ex girlfriend's cell phone. Are you going to go through all her pictures and look through her pictures? No, you're probably just going to be like, I don't care what you're doing. You know, yeah. that's okay. that's kind of what it is. Um, I, I mean, it would probably hurt him more than anything to see something and it be good. You know, and him not be involved in it. I mean, that's probably his worst fear in the world. But it would be like if you sold your ex-girlfriend for $4 billion. <laughs> you might be able to at least publicly say, yeah, it looks, she looks good. Yeah, Happy maybe. Think about, think about it like this. Um, you're Pete Best, okay. the original yeah. drummer of the Beatles. I'm normally a Stuart Sutcliffe guy, but okay, I'll go with your Beatles story. music went so downhill and... When Ringo joined, I mean, team best all the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I digress. Um, say you're Pete Best and you say, I don't want to do music anymore. Guys, go ahead and start your little band here. And then uh, lo and behold, boom, the Beatles happen. And then you're the biggest idiot in the world. It's not like you're going to go buy every Beatles album and watch Beatles music videos if you're Pete Best. Does that make sense? He's probably like, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm done with it. My name's out there. I mean, George Lucas is George Lucas forever. He's the creator. The creator, but uh, I'm sure it just makes him feel weird to to look at his creation. Literally, he just thought of that stuff in his own mind, thought of the Millennium Falcon, <laughs> and um, now somebody else is making movies with it. I mean, I'm sure it's a yeah. weird thing for somebody that, I mean, the first six movies were all him, you know, basically. So, gotta be weird. 
It does. It, that I, I agree with that, and he can feel that in his heart of hearts. But when they pay you four billion dollars for it, just pub- publicly just lie and say, "Looks awesome, can't wait." I'm surprised, honestly, um, that that he wasn't on set, that he wasn't yeah. there like every day as a, as a hands on consultant. I would want yeah. him to be there, wouldn't you? As long as I had 100% power to say, yeah. no, no, George. As long as it's understood that... I think you could put Jar Jar in here. <laughs> uh, I think you People learned his would lesson. really want to see Jar Jar. Sony has asked Sam Raimi to come back and direct future Spider-Man films for them. So, sort of on topic with our Spider-Man discussion earlier. So, would you be willing to see Raimi re- uh, rejoin, this, rejoin this series? Coming off the stellar Oz the Great and Powerful... Yeah, as we all. Uh, I'm not love. a huge Sam Raimi fan anymore. I, I, I. Here's what I don't like about Sam Raimi uh, currently, and it started with his uh, Spider-Man films. I'm cool with Sam Raimi as a serious filmmaker, and I'm cool with Sam Raimi as a kind of purposefully B-movie filmmaker that he kind of delves into the sort of self-aware goofiness that he's he does as well. What I'm not cool with, which I think he struggled with in Spider-Man, is when he jumps back and forth between the two. Yeah, like Spider-Man could never understand, could never decide if it wanted to be a serious, like superhero movie or kind of a take on a superhero movie. Does that make sense? And uh, and so I don't, I just don't think he's he's the right person for it. Mark Webb, uh, you know, came off of uh, uh, five hundred days of summer. Five hundred days of summer. I wanted to say fifty ways of. Tony the Lies. <laughs> 500 Days of Summer, which was a great original movie. And, and I was really excited when he got it. I thought he was a really cool choice. And then it was kind of more of the same. Yeah. So I think that the issue may be uh, Sony more than, than the director. The producers of the film seem to uh, struggle with understanding this material and, and coming up with a script that uh, understands it as well. You're right, and I never would have thought that I wanted Brian Singer to return to X-Men, but that ended up being a decent choice, at least for Days of Future Past uh-huh. goes. So maybe, I mean, maybe uh, maybe Sam Raimi with 2015 technology can make something decent happen. I, I want the like I said, I'll reiterate, I want the best for Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man as a character, but not the movies, except for, you know, a little bit, but... I want I want a good Spider-Man movie. Don't we deserve that as a as a society? Don't yeah. we deserve somebody like Christopher Nolan to take over Spider-Man and be like, "Guys, you're doing it all wrong. This is Spider, you know?" In some advice to whoever does it, uh we you know, the Spider-Man films have made billions of dollars combined. Uh we we can do the math on how Spider-Man came to be. Feel free to leave out the Radioactive Spider, Uncle Ben gets shot, blah, blah, origin story. We're good. Yes. We, we know it. Don't, and if you do it, keep it 15 minutes and under. I totally agree with that. And to pair along with the film, you could do a a companion comic series that does the origin. Really in-depth, cool graphic novel or something. Or even a and say, Yeah, and say, you know what? If you want to learn the origin, here, go read this comic series that we released that goes along with the film. It uses the same characters. You yeah. don't see it on screen, but if you are a fan that has those desires to say, wow, I wonder how he got to become Spider-Man, then you could you could find out. Not in this movie, though. I, I agree with you. Started out like with him flying through the air and boom, yeah. new Spider-Man. Um, it might not ever happen in our lifetime. I think some of that has to do with – there hasn't been an actor that's been Peter Parker 
convincingly, you know, it's always just yeah. felt kind of weird, no matter who they put in the role. I know it's only been two, uh, at least on the, um, live action side of things, but, uh, neither of the two that they've picked have been right in my opinion. So I agree. You knew I always wanted, and he, he auditioned and almost got Batman. Uh, but I always thought he made a much better Spider-Man is actual, actually Joshua Jackson. Yeah. He might be too old now, but yeah. he's like, he was so perfect for that. He would have been awesome. That would have been and, interesting. Uh, yeah. He was always, what, what yeah. happened to him? Did he pull a, uh, Emilio Estevez and just completely stop associating with, he, with acting? I mean, he did Bones forever, didn't he? Or something? No, he did Fringe, uh, Fringe which people liked a lot. He, I think he was, uh, he's on some other show now, people like, he's always like second place in every part. It's always like, yeah, we went with blank, but we almost went with Joshua Jackson. He's, I think wow. with Diane Kruger though. So good for him. On the, good for him there. <laughs> sure. There you go. Um, definitely an O'Malley candidate, Joshua yeah. Jackson at this point. Yeah. He's on that show, The Affair right now, which people like a lot. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, um, it's okay. Good week of movie news, rumors, rumblings. Oh, a lot of juicy details this week. I felt like TMZ during this I, segment. I've got another quick one. Okay. Yeah. Quick one, because I know you're super excited about this, so I, I have okay. to tell you. It has been confirmed that conversations have gone on mm-hmm. with Paul Feig mm. about the new Ghostbusters film Oh, with Rebel Wilson. No. Oh. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can we stop? It's going to be, it, hopefully it'll no, be Rebel stop Wilson. stop the podcast. Stop it. <laughs> We're, it doesn't feel right to podcast after, what are we even doing? What? <laughs> okay, I'm done. Maybe she's playing the marshmallow. I, mean, I don't know. Well, but... hopefully they'll strip her of her Australian accent and she'll just do a great, maybe she'll do a Boston accent this time. I like her more than Melissa McCarthy. I thought you were going to say Melissa McCarthy that negotiations have officially begun. Yeah. When nope. you said Rebel Wilson, I almost lost. <laughs> what if they're both in it together? That's, yeah, maybe that's what I'm saying. Sisters. Uh, Rebel Wilson is funny and pitch perfect. I will admit. Yeah, she's really funny, uh, but we and need I'm to willing be done. to accept her being funny and pitch perfect too. Yeah, but uh, that's about it. I mean, my super crazy night or whatever did very well. Obviously, you didn't see super fun night. Yeah, super fun night. It was awesome. It was super fun. I did see the pilot because we – Yeah, we did. We podcasted it last fall. Man, what were we – what were we doing? I don't know why you would think that would interest me, but that makes me never want to talk into a microphone again about movies. So we'll see you guys next week. Uh, Have a good night. If if it comes out with Melissa McCarthy and and – you know, that group and Paul Feig and uh, Rebel Wilson and all these people. And it comes out against, uh, let's say, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. What what movie would you want to see less? <laughs> oh, see less? Definitely Ghostbusters. Okay. Ghostbusters, so you... anytime a part of my childhood dies. <laughs> yeah. Like what happened with Dumb and Dumber 2 a few weeks ago. Yeah. Anytime I, I see a, a film in a theater and part of my childhood actively shrivels up and ceases to exist. Yeah. Or I just get bad feelings from that. Uh, I, I don't want that. I, That's why I, they, they can't make a Rookie of the Year sequel. No, no. I, I always I, – I did bring that up on the show before 
They need, need to make it happen, and it's about Rowan Gardner trying to go back to the big leagues. Yeah, as like a forty-year-old, <laughs> washed up Knock, oh knuckleballer. Now knuckleballer, he knuckle and Brigma's like <laughs> paralyzed from the neck down, and he's like in a full body. He's in he's in a full body Segway to get around, basically. In, in, yeah, we might be able to pitch this because uh, <laughs> it's full body Segway made me chuckle. Uh, <laughs> The Cubs are hotter than ever. They signed, you know, some big signings right now. The Cubs yeah. are now like Joe Madden coaching. You know, you could work in Brigma with Joe, Matt, Joe First Madden. First of all, over under on the amount of Rowan Gardner and Brigma jerseys you see at Wrigley Field on an average game day. Over or under twenty five. I don't know. I have never you, thought about you, that, but I want. I want to. I would love a Lou Brigma Cubs jersey. I would love a Rowan Gardner one <laughs> because it barely fits on there. You know, yeah. <laughs> it looks so ridiculous. <laughs> I told you. Uh, I really want a. I want a Vaughn number ninety nine Cleveland Indians jersey more than I, anything. Though. I showed you at the uh, Stars hockey game. I saw a guy wearing a Charlie Conway original Mighty Ducks jersey. Speaking of Joshua Jackson, uh, that's awesome. Pretty funny. I've always wanted a Goldberg Ducks yeah. jersey just to wear to. Random I want a Mendoza, game. the Speed Demon. Ah, <laughs> but uh, I've we've got. One more piece of breaking news for the podcast okay. that you know. This is not movie news, but just news about the cast and characters in our life. Uh, if you used to listen to the old radio show, Kent and I did, you're probably aware of a character on there named Beardo. Uh, Beardo yeah. Big Steven. Uh, he has officially purchased license plates on UTEP plates with the custom grooves on there. Yes. So he has the grouper <laughs> custom license plates on UTEP plates. That is a real thing that exists in our life. So we need uh, to get him to send us a picture. We'll post it on the site. Our yes. fans will love that. Yeah. So that is yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> the, the UTEP is a nice touch. Yeah, it's a great touch. And what's what makes it actually? Yeah. yeah. What if he had gotten a purple heart with grooves on there? Oh, nice. I, I personally, <laughs> there's no other move left except for me to answer that with, by getting a KFBR392 license plate. Yes. <laughs> Has to happen. And on that note, let's move on and let's talk about Nightcrawler. I film breaking stories. Maybe you saw my item this morning, you were fatal carjacking. No, I mean, I don't have a TV. Do you have a cell phone? Yeah. Does it have GPS? Yeah. Congratulations, you're hired. <sighs> okay. So this film came out on Halloween, October 31st. Uh, production budget of $8.5 million. Domestically, as of today, a $30 million gross and another $6 million foreign uh, for Nightcrawler. Oh, uh, $10 million opening weekend, which actually surprises me. Pretty decent showing for first-time director Dan Gilroy, long-time writer Dan Gilroy, and um, pretty impressive work. Uh, for his first go round uh, behind the lens. So, Richard, let's talk about uh, your experience seeing this movie. Did you have any interest uh, when you went into the theater? Let's let's do general thoughts now. Of course, save spoilery stuff uh, later. But talk to me about Nightcrawler. Yeah, I wasn't uh, I wasn't too interested in this coming up, and then the tra- the trailers peaked me a little bit. I actually went and saw this before I knew we were podcasting on it because the uh, the trailers looked pretty good. My girlfriend really wanted to see it, so. So we it was uh it was like yeah sure I'll go type of thing like she's done for me hundreds of times when I make her watch uh things that she has no interest in. The marketing for the film was actually really good, but it was kind of hard to tell completely the plot, which is a good yeah. and bad thing. You would see it this week, right, for the for the podcast. What, I saw it. Your- yeah, I, I saw it this week. Um pleasant surprise for sure. 
a lot of, and we'll get into once we get into more spoilery territory here in a minute. I'll get into it, but uh, had me on the edge of my seat multiple times. Uh-huh. Didn't in, didn't expect that from this. Before I officially screen this, I was wondering, is this going to be more than just this premise of Jake Gyllenhaal is this creepy guy who finds his calling and uh, in you know basically being snuff making snuff films or whatever yeah uh i th- i thought that's where it was going and it took a while for it to get where it wanted to go or should uh-huh. have gone but once it did i was really into it like i was wondering is, is he gonna actively be involved in any of these crimes that uh-huh. he is videotaping is it gonna come out later in the film that he's responsible for one of these crimes or um and again when we when we talk about the third act uh, a little bit later, it could go several ways, and I want to just get what you thought uh, about that later. But a pleasant surprise for me. Actively enjoyed Joan Hall in this role. Doesn't happen often, if ever. Uh, the last film I liked him in was Zodiac, probably. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed his character and his performance specifically in that uh, in that movie. So surprise there. Um, always good to see Bill Paxton. <laughs> I mean, this yes. has been a really weird year where Paxton has been in yeah. two of the best films of the year. <laughs> Seriously, the Paxonasance. Yeah, the Paxonasance, and it. I mean, he's been good in both the movies too. Yeah, it's not like I mean, he's been a, a contributing factor in uh, both Edge of Tomorrow and Nightcrawler this year. So Edge of Tomorrow was so awesome. It was really fun. Let's just recommend that right now. Yeah, it's out on DVD now or whatever, and it's it's, it's called awesome. Live I Repeat actually now. Oh, that's right. Or live, I repeat, semicolon, edge of tomorrow. That's okay. what it's called. I mean, we never talked about it in movie news, which we probably should have, but to not associate edge of tomorrow, the name, with that bad flop, they've changed it to live, I repeat, okay. in, order to, in order to attempt to give it a second life on video. Probably not going to happen, but... Um, it's really good. If you haven't seen it, stay there. And Paxson is great in it, yeah. If, and Cruz is great in it. Yeah. And Blunt is great in it. And uh, it's, it's one of the more original... And I know it's it's derivative, but it's one of the more original movies you'll see this year, especially for a popcorn kind of film. So uh, check that out. And this movie, Nightcrawler, also pleasantly surprised me due to the fact that it gives us this sort of inside look at the behind the scenes of a newsroom. Or uh, uh-huh. you never really think about – I mean for those of us who still watch the news, I mean I probably watch – I don't, on TV, probably eight minutes of news a week. <laughs> I mean, and that's only yeah. on when I'm skimming th- skimming through. Uh, I, I, you know, I get most of my news from Twitter and the internet, like normal people. I had a uh, weird but- experience again on the cruise. I had a lot of trouble sleeping. I was up li- all night. One night, I was up literally the entire night. Again, limited cable, so I watched local Miami. They they give you the Mi- carnival's based out of Miami, so I watched Miami local news, all three channels of it, uh, over and over and over again. Uh, I think it was Saturday morning. It was before I watched Prince of Persia. And it was the first time I really spent uh, with local news in a long time. It's really kind of a interest- – does local news still do well? Like I, know I don't, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. For somebody that's in that, the broadcasting industry, I don't know if the ratings are – I mean I'm sure it's not – it's not it as be, good as it has been. But I'm yeah, sure with all the channels. Yeah. I'm sure they're just living off ad dollars now. They don't. don't I don't really think they put as much effort into it. As they once did, but this is a cool way. At you know, you know, you never think how they get that they co- independently contract out footage, yeah, uh, by people. 
which gave me a good idea. I mean, I, I should be doing that uh, the entire time. If you're making the money that Jake Gyllenhaal makes in this movie by doing what he's doing, uh, pretty pretty sweet gig you got. Yeah, but, not a bad gig at all. Uh, what did you think about that inside look that they give you at news? What was the most intriguing part of this movie for you personally? Yeah, I think kind of the bridging of of something like TMZ and, and actual news and, and kind of the commentary on that uh, was interesting to me. Uh, but I, th- I, I didn't really think of it too much as any sort of parable or anything like that. I think this movie kind of really exists in its own kind of realistic but cool universe that really does its own thing. But I, uh, I was really kind of captivated just by the, the actual plot of, of, of the film. I didn't get too much into the, uh, you know, the bigger stuff. Uh, it reminded me of a crossover between <laughs> – this is weird to say – a crossover between Drive, One Hour Photo, and Pineapple Express. Huh. Okay. <laughs> if you put all those together, yeah. you get Nightcrawler. And a pretty weird combination. Yeah. I can definitely see Drive and Pineapple Express. And you said One Hour Photo? Was yeah. The third? Just with yeah. the creepy yeah. photography guy that – is really, you know, and we're referring to Rob Williams' character in uh, Psy is his name. And yeah. I'll never forget that. Psy. It's so creepy in its, in its own right. But just the fact that really overly nice, you, you're not sure if this guy, Joan uh, Hall's character and, uh, and Rob Williams' character, you're not sure if he's really that nice or if he's just, there's something wrong with this guy. Like nobody's that nice, you know? Talk to me about the uh, the other actors in the movie. We talked about Joan Hall, a little bit about Paxton. So a rare Rene Russo sighting, who actually is, is Dan Gilroy's wife, I've come to learn. Oh, okay. So that's why she did this, because she doesn't work much anymore. She's great. She's beautiful in her day, too. And right. she was in Major League, so I'll, I'll always love her. But I, I always like Rene Russo. I loved her in Thomas Crown Affair, too, which is a kind of a cool 90s movie. Uh, that remake, that is. And uh, she was good. I'm trying to think. Who else? Who else did you like in the cast? The intern that that Jake Gyllenhaal hires, yeah, in Riz the, uh, Ahmed or something. Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed. Yes, uh, really impressed by him in this movie. What 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 has he done before? I don't know. I'm looking at him now. He's actually also a rapper, a British uh-huh. rapper, uh, actor and rapper. Aren't we all? Yes. Uh, he was in Road to Guantanamo, Shifty Brits, Four Lines. Looks like a lot of English stuff. He's uh-huh. English, like all good actors are. I mean, the casting in this movie was great. There's a lot to to like about this movie. First of all, the script. What did you think of the script? Is it an original idea by Gilroy? I um, believe so. I I do believe so. And I'm not normally if I haven't, you know, I, it's not like I was super aware of Dan Gilroy. I knew who he was vaguely, but uh, I had to go back and look at some other films he's done. And not only were most of them stuff, obviously, <laughs> uh, Real Steel, uh, Born Legacy, uh, Two for the Money. So he hasn't really done a lot of good stuff and not only kind of has he done baddish stuff, but he mostly does stuff that's totally different in tone to this. This was such an original, uh, idea and the way it was shot was really cool. Uh, the aesthetic of it was awesome. And, uh, I, I was really impressed. I was really, really impressed. It it may have been kind of a one hit wonder type thing. Cause it doesn't seem like much of his other, other work is, is that great. I mean, this movie is extremely well shot. I mean, I, I have a feeling that we haven't seen the the Oscar, more Oscar-type movies to come out later this year, the Paul Thomas Andersons of the world, to be more specific. Uh, as far as cinematography goes, um, this, I mean, this was very well shot. 
my point being, I don't think, I don't know if this is good enough to compete with the films we've seen thus far this year. That's true. Uh, Birdman, I think, is quite up there as far. That's as, going to be tough. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what Inherent Vice brings us to. Because you're right, PTA. Uh, I watched Boogie Nights today, actually, uh, and I'll, we'll talk about more about that later. But uh, you know, his his cinematography is always pretty breathtaking. There is there are very few people in Hollywood who know how to work a camera better than PTA. But good start for D- Dan Gilroy. I was surprised. I, I knew the name as he uh, wrote the Born Legacy. Yeah. But I was surprised if, when I found out that this was in fact his first directorial credit uh, to date. So uh, promising start to a career for Dan Gilroy. And uh, let's talk more about this plot. And uh, so let's get into spoilers. Let's do it. Uh, spoilers coming up right now for uh, Nightcrawler. Uh, one of the more interesting sequences in the film when uh, Joan Hall, or I should start calling him by his real, <laughs> his character's name. I always do that. I always call <laughs> Uh, call him by their actor's name. So Louis. Yep. When he goes to the pawn shop to get the uh, negotiates to get the camera, really mm-hmm. cool, well, well written sequence. Yes. Um, well acted too. Very, very good. There are there were some drawn out dialogue sequences in the movie. Uh, when he first meets uh, Rene Russo at the news station, and when he's talking about how he thinks his calling is is this job um, to go to crime scenes and film, film them in, uh, for news or be in, around them and use his talents for that. He says, why you pursue something is equally as important as to what you're pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a really powerful line and really explains a lot about, about Gyllenhaal. Um, he's just extremely creepy. Why? I mean, why would somebody feel right about all that's occurring? You know, it's like he, yeah. he really gets off on the fact that he gets to be there when this the, is happening. The- the motive of his just insane ambition, yes, uh, is is really something that I didn't know if he was just a psychopath in the trailer or anything. But once I watched the film, you just realize it's all about this pathological ambition he has to to do a really odd <laughs> career. There's also a a long dialogue sequence um, between Louis and uh, and Russo at the Mexican restaurant. That's also very well done. That I should uh, give credit to, but. Getting into more spoilery stuff here, Louis and his intern are in his car and uh, listening to their police scanner. They get a call about a, a home invasion. Ends up there a few blocks away from this home invasion. They get there before the cops do. And this is where, the, where, where I thought the movie could take a turn. I thought that he would get there and uh, as he does, he sees the crime being committed. And I thought he would be. I thought he was going to get involved in the crime at that so point. Did, did you? They, and I think that's intentional. I think that's set up to make it look like that could happen. Yeah. Or I thought he was going to go into the house, do his filming, uh, come across something crazy, capture it on his thing, run out of the house. Cops are storming, uh, storming the house, and then they arrest him, thinking he's yeah the person who did the crime and now he's caught in this whole thing and he has to use his footage to explain his way out of the yeah. crime i thought that's where it was going didn't go that way uh so props to them for uh, keeping me guessing there also a really fun ch- uh car chase sequence um in the movie as well the interrogation sequence as well great, very well done they used uh, gps a little bit, a little bit better than now you see me <laughs> i was waiting for you to bring this up 
That yeah. was shot a little, I mean, t- tiny bit. It's they might the Skillroy may be a slightly better uh, director than <laughs> Louis, Louis Ledier. Well, that's debatable, but I don't want to be here all night, so yeah, I'll good save point. It for another day. But I think the, the the entire movie does come down to the very last line, or in which Louis Gyllenhaal's character says, "I will never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself." Yeah, with his and, own little team. Now he's got yeah, a few. His, and. Uh, you remember you? At, he asked his intern to uh, to go film, and he said d- very dece- very deceiving character. He goes and tells his his partner that cars all crash um, from the chase. The people are dead. Yeah. Now let's film this thing. He walks over to film it. The guy's still alive. Shoots his partner, and he does yeah. it all uh, to get the shot. But you know what? Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is creepy, and uh, his character's creepy, and I still feel creeped out about him. Uh, even and he knew, but good job. He knows he knows that the, they're still alive. Yeah, and they yeah. kind of address it. And he pretty much sets Rick up to to die for the sake of a great shot. So, uh, yeah, interesting. It's interesting that this. I, I, you know, I wonder how much of a commentary this is on the Hollywood from Gilroy. You know, yeah, people that are willing to do literally anything for a shot. You know, or. For a yeah. movie or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some satire going on there. Like I like I said earlier, there are bigger themes here than uh than he's giving Absolutely. us. So um I like this movie. Not in my on my radar for awards other than a few maybe technical categories. Uh maybe Gyllenhaal gets recognized. Um I don't see anything else. I think he got here. a uh, screen actors guild nomination. Okay. I think I think I today so that's normally a, a decent side i bet he gets a golden globe nomination because it'll they'll take the comedy out yes and this you know it'll be a smaller category for just drama uh which will remove you know joaquin or anybody else that may be a, a, more of a comedy so uh yeah it'll be interesting birdman they'll probably put birdman as a comedy absolutely and it was it was i laughed a lot in birdman hopefully for the right reasons yeah. um so let's go into grades richard i will give Nightcrawler, a A minus, um, not an A or an A plus, not on that level, but um, definitely liked a lot more than I disliked here. And um, towards the end, second and third acts are very strong, kept me guessing, and it, it's up there with Gone Girl this year for me. Uh, so that's that's my comparison. What's your grade? I'm going A minus as well. So we we had some more takes on this, which makes it hard to talk about. But I would definitely recommend this movie. And I, you know, if you told me at the beginning of the year. This would be one of them. Uh, I I wouldn't have <laughs> I would have thought you're crazy. So a nice little surprise. Absolutely, I'm interested to hear Brian Gill's thoughts on this uh, next podcast. So uh, probably will happen in the first half of the next podcast uh, for listeners. So great. Let's move on, Richard, and let's hit weekly recommends. Weekly recommends. Richard and I are are huge fans of this television show that I'm going to recommend this week. We've done an we've done an actual podcast on the show, a retrospective in which we talk about our favorite moments from the show and also uh review it as well in typical Mad About Movies fashion. But I want to recommend an episode from The Office, NBC's The Office, not the uh, British version. Uh it's Christmas time. We're recording this podcast uh, a few weeks away from Christmas now. I want to recommend Classy Christmas from The Office and all the other Christmas episodes, you know, for that matter. It's um, it's something that it, it, 
every year it makes me happy around holidays. It makes me feel like I'm in the holiday, that the holidays are here when I watch The Office Christmas. Uh, they do a great job of um, do, bringing a different storyline to the table each season. So there are multiple mm-hmm. Christmas episodes of The Office. Uh, specifically, I would recommend Classy Christmas, which comes later in the seasons. I think season six or seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, season six. It's one of the better later late ep- post, you know, season six episodes because that's when the show took a slight downturn. And uh, right. this is so this, this is, is right at the peak of things. Yeah. So classy Christmas is my recommend, and like I said, get into the office if you haven't already. Uh, check out our podcast, Rants and Raves podcast on the office, and uh, watch the Christmas episode of the office. They're good out of context. You don't need to know, follow the office to see them and enjoy them around the holiday season. So that was my, that's my recommend. Richard. Fantastic. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I watched uh, Boogie Nights earlier today. The reason I watched it is Grantland is doing a uh, Paul Thomas Anderson week uh, to promote uh, uh, Inherent Vice. And so they have a huge oral history of Boogie Nights. With Even Philip Seymour Hoffman is on this thing. So it, they've been working on it for several years. Uh, a huge oral history that I've been reading through. So I wanted to watch the movie again because uh, I hadn't seen it in several years. Uh, before I, I read the world history, so I watched that uh, this evening with the girlfriend who had never seen it. So uh, the the but the Boogie Nights world history is fantastic. Uh, it's on Grantland.com. Check it out. It's it's a really cool uh, way to a really interesting. You know, people forget this was kind of Paul Thomas Anderson's first. What a what a movie to kind of come out of the gate with. He had made Hard Eight and a few shorts, but you know, really kind of his first uh, movie he had full control over and. Uh, it's really interesting to watch to read about that process it could could have been a book it's, and it almost did through all history so long uh, but it, but it's great how did you like Bookie Nights this time around it's great it's one of my it's, it's a great one it's uh, I think one of the best acted films of all time no doubt yeah um, and it's a movie that seems important even though it's really not really about anything I mean it's technically kind of about family they say uh, but I mean not in the way Fast and Furious is I'm sure but uh, but it's it's really not philosophical like a lot of his other work, but it's just kind of a fun Robert Altman style seventies movie, and that's uh, and it's just so well made. It's immaculately well made. Excited for Inherent Vice, of course, and so our Inherent Vice podcast will be released uh, in the in the few days following the release or wide release of Inherent Vice. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, whenever we get it to Dallas, we'll be there for sure. Yeah, uh, but Richard, where can I find your work online? You can find me on the Twitter at Richard Barden, or you can find me on the Thought Catalog. Kent, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and find our podcast on the internet at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. You can find our most recent 100 episodes on iTunes. If you want anything older than that, you're going to have to go to the website and scroll back and uh, find what you're looking for. And if you like what you hear, go to iTunes and leave us five stars. And on that note, Richard, until next time, I will see you at the cinema. Goodbye.